Hello, church family. Uh, This is part four and our final part in uh, Ezra chapter nine. Uh, This this whole week we talked about uh, the type of repentance that is pleasing to the Lord. We first talked about how the believer, uh, if they are truly broken and have a truly contrite heart about sin, they're first appalled by sin. Um, They don't look at sin lightly and they take it seriously and they want to turn from it they they are disgusted by it they don't rationalize it they don't justify sin um and then we talked about how uh, a genuine uh repentance a genuine confession of the lord doesn't blame shift it doesn't focus on external things but the acknowledgement that the problem <coughs> excuse me the problem is within uh that your sin is 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 begins from from internal and you you feed it, and it grows and it grows, and then to the point where you commit the sin outwardly, um, a, a genuine brokenness to sin is an acknowledgement that uh, that 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 you did wrong, that you've sinned against the Lord. Then yesterday we talked about how we as Christians, when we repent, it should be focused around the Word of God. It shouldn't be something that. Uh, we do it because of some external standard or our own self-righteousness. It's, it has to be based on the Word of God. We talked about how when you repent, um, you're repenting in accordance to Scripture. You, you you look at what Scripture has to say. You see where people or yourself has fallen in, in, in light of it. You use Scripture like a mirror to, as a way to reflect back into your soul and see this is where I'm falling short. It's been said that the Bible is the only book that it's not just that we read the Bible, but the Bible actually reads us. It shows us who we really are. And, and it also tells us what we need to be as well. Um, repentance, true repentance centers around the word of God. And today uh, we're going to talk about the a type of repentance that's honoring to the Lord. And the last one is that it's dependent on the grace of God. It's dependent on God's grace. Ezra chapter 9, uh, Ezra actually speaks of uses the word grace in uh, chapter 9, verse 8. He said, but now for a brief moment, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us an escape remnant and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. What's really cool is that this is actually the first time in the entire Old Testament that the, that this word used, that the word grace is used. Um, we're, we're so familiar with that term in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, uh, I mean, Ezra chronologically is toward the end, and it's the first time where this word is used. And we understand what grace means. It means to be given something that you don't deserve. Mercy is withholding something that you do deserve, like wrath. Grace is something that, that is given to you that you don't deserve. Like in this case for the Jewish people, an opportunity to go back into the land. Uh, Ezra here is making an acknowledgement that God gives them grace uh, to those that have committed a great evil. Um, and you notice this little phrase, give us a peg. And there's this idea of like, it's, it's kind of almost like a, another way, like a, like a door stopper or something. Like it's just a small opportunity to, to turn back. Like you might, it might be uh, very dire and the situation might be very difficult, but there was a small uh, window that, uh, that, that existed for the Jewish people because of God's grace. Um, Israel failed over and over again, and yet God has over time and, and and continually have given them grace to turn from it. And I think when we think about grace, we often just think about as as what is done to us, uh, God giving us grace in our salvation. And that's true, but 
grace is actually a little bit more than that. Grace is more than just uh, what has God's given us in terms of salvation, but God also gives us grace in a sense of giving us the ability, like a power to be able to turn from our sins and to live in a way that honors him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, tells us that um, though he scoffs, meaning the Lord scoffs at Though he scoffs at scoffers, yet he gives grace to afflicted. This is just an uh, instance where the Lord gives um, a, a grace to those who, who are in desperate need, those that, who need him, those who are constantly seeking. Uh, or there's an acknowledgement that they need something that's beyond themselves, and a prideful person, a scoffful person, will not be able to see that, but rather a person who's uh, broken, someone who's poor in spirit. That's the, those are the people who God will give grace to because they've realized that they need him. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, uh, John says this in John chapter 1, verse 16, for his fullness, for of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law has given us through Moses grace and truth that were realized through Jesus Christ. Um, again, this goes more than just uh, salvation, but it's actually the ability. And we, I think we really see this play out a lot in the book of Acts. This word grace is used multiple times, and not just in, in, in terms of salvation. It's speaking of like the Lord giving them the ability to do things that are, 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 are beyond themselves. In chapter 6 of Acts, uh, when Stephen was uh, about to be killed, it says in chapter... 6 verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Uh, but some men, oh, so this, oh, I guess we'll stop there, like 7 is way to do defense, but um, chapter 6, uh, Stephen was shown to have great, a tremendous amount of grace to do all these supernatural signs, and that's what got him into the place where he gets uh, basically killed in chapter 7. Um, it was, his, it was uh, God giving him grace to be able to do ministry. Uh, Acts chapter 14 at verse 26, it says that when they had arrived uh, and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God has done with them and how he had opened a door of, of faith to the Gentiles. Sorry, uh, back up one verse. Uh, from there, they sailed to Antioch. From there, they had been commanded to the grace of God for the work they had uh, accomplished. And then verse 27, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So it's God's grace that protected them, but also God's grace is what gave them the, the right things to say so that people be, could, could be saved. Um, in Acts chapter 20, verse 23, it says, we'll jump up to 22. Uh, and now behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem and not not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit uh, solemnly testified to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions will await me. So um, uh, Paul here understands that he is uh, going to be persecuted. But yeah, when you jump down to um, verse 32 here, and now I commend you to God, to the word of his, of his grace, which is able to build you, which is able to build you up, to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Um, so God's word, God's grace is what builds up the individual. Um, Romans chapter one verse five, Paul writes, "Though whom we have received grace and, and apostleship, apostleship to bring about the ob obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for His name's sake." So uh, Paul realizes that it's God's grace that gives him the unique ability to minister to Gentiles, that all the things that he's able to do is because of God's grace. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, 
according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. So Paul here is saying that uh, God gave him the ability uh, to be used by the Lord to build the church up. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Uh, it reads, but, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet I, yet, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. See, Paul understood that even in his difficult times of ministry, he was able to not quit. He was able to keep uh, doing what the Lord wanted him to do because of the grace of God. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is, is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, there is, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. What's the point of all these passages I read? The point is that when we think about God's grace, it is not just simply that he saved us, but that he gives us the ability to do all that we're supposed to do to honor him. And this includes fighting our sin. True repentance <coughs> true repentance acknowledges that you cannot do it on your own. Um, because of our sinful flesh, we are all going, going to be prone to do sinful things. But because of God's grace in, in our lives, he will give us the means and the, uh, the ability to, to ter- say no to sin. And when we fall into sin, it's because um, we are, you know, basically we, we stop trusting in the Lord, become a practical atheist. Uh, but when, we are, when our, our minds and our hearts are changed by the work of God, uh, um, you will see that you, it's easier to say no to sin. It's because of God's grace in your life. And, God, and you know, sometimes when we, even when we pray, we, say we pray for God's grace so that we can do X, Y, and Z. That's because we understand that God's grace is what gives us the ability to do anything and everything. So true repentance, even when we fall into sin, is an acknowledgement that we, um, we failed and we need God's help. And God is more than willing to give us the grace that, that we need to be able to honor him with all that we do. This is why uh, it honors the Lord. When we pray for, uh, we, when we pray in dependence of God's grace, we are saying that any good thing that comes out of our lives is because of what God has done in our life. Therefore, we can give God glory whenever we overcome a momentary sin or when we have victory over sin. Uh, we can say it's because of God's doing. But when we fail, that's entirely our responsibility. We fail because we allow sin into our life. But every time we we're convicted of sin, when there's that uh, this warning in our in our minds, it's the Holy Spirit working in, in us, it, and it's the grace grace of God that allows us to see that this is not right, that we need to turn from those things. So that's what we learned. That's that's it for today. But for this week, I mean, for if you were to have a question to ask uh, yourself today, as a, a way to maybe remember the lesson you heard is. How are you dependent on God's grace in light of temptation? Um, this week, we learned about the type of confession that is pleasing to the Lord. First, it is that we need to be appalled by sin. Uh, second, we need, to, uh, we need to confess our sin. Don't blame shift. Third, that our, our repentance is centered around God's word. And lastly, that our, um, that our lives are dependent on the grace of God. Um, I hope that this was helpful for you in terms of your fight against sin. I know that this life, uh, as a Christian life, is going to be difficult because of temptation all around us. But God, has, uh, and Paul and the, all the apostles and the New Testament and even Scripture as a whole has told us that he'll give us the power to be able to overcome the things that, um, 
that the Lord hates because we are we have a new birth. Uh, we're made anew because of God's grace. Uh, I hope that this was helpful for all of you. Uh, may you have a blessed week. Take care.